1: Welcome to Light Years, Andy Lou. Today, today is a tragic day in Warriors history. Listeners wouldn't notice that because you have a huge crap-eating grin on your face uh, currently uh, because of what's happened this afternoon. This, this We afternoon. are recording this Sunday evening, and per Anthony Slater, mm, the Warriors will wave Alan Geach before his contract guarantees on Friday, August 6th. He had two more non-guaranteed seasons remaining on his deal. Took him 39. Didn't pan out. (laughs) Freeze up a roster spot. You know what, Tim? Hit the instrumental. We got to talk about Smiley right now. Because what is Light Years without the existence of Smiley as our avatar for all our, just all our disgruntlement towards the Warriors? he was he did feel like the vehicle for anger uh from warriors fans that were dissatisfied with where the warriors had been headed for the last few years obviously as we always preface it sam it's not about it is not about alan smiling exactly it is not about alan smiling i actually think he was one of the most funniest players and seemed like a really funny person probably a really good person. He never said anything that angered anyone, right? Like, it was never anything about Alan Smiley as a human, right? But it was always uh, the moments of Alan Smiley. That, uh, that He gave us moments. For a guy that never played basketball, he gave us a lot of moments. He gave us some of the best moments in Warrior history. Um, and I want to discuss my favorite Smiley moments. <laughs> Uh-oh. So who can... For- we got to start with who can forget the mysterious... Puff pieces before we ever saw him play about how he was some hidden gem who was going to be the next great warrior. Uh, how Ket found him traversing through the backcountry in <laughs> Serbia. How he is a raw, un, he has raw untapped potential. And then we saw him play basketball. And I feel like most of our first experience with Smiley was the ill-fated dunk attempt against the L.A. Lakers. (laughs) By the way, I didn't think you were going to bring up the puff pieces because I was going to. But uh, that was really the the mark of Smiley's career. That's why we say it was never about Smiley. It was what was always said about Alan Smiley-Geach. That was always made it more funny than it was, right? It was always, Smiley could do this. He might be able to do this. Uh, And then they traded two picks. Oh, yeah, that. And then they traded two first-round picks to get him. Like, end of the day, like, that first, second-round pick, not that big a deal, right? Like, the second-round pick, not that big a deal. The roster spot, uh, you know, maybe not that big a deal. But it was just the stuff that you would read about Alan Smiley. That was – if they spent half the resources and time, that was given to Alan. (laughs) To Smiley, that was – you know, hand that off to – um. I don't know. Maybe Jordan Poole. Maybe he shoots better. Eric Paschal, maybe he shoots threes better if, if that tie was given. So those are some great moments. The dunk against the Lakers was fantastic. Another one, another one that I want to bring up, Sam, is, is this kind of encapsulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the dunk against the Lakers real okay. quick okay. or forget okay. it. It's like. I mean, if there was no better sign that like this guy was not just like a project, he was like a very far away project. It was mistiming his dunk, hitting the front of the rim, missing it to the point. Steph is dying on the bench. The bench reactions are the best thing ever. And it's one of my favorite things about the Warriors. I don't think they ever held like ill will towards him. They just thought he was hilarious. Big other roster. He was... He was one of those guys. And the next memory is the Lake of standing up mid interview in a preseason game when Smiley shoots a three. And you think about that memory, and it reminds me of I play high school basketball. I wasn't one of the superstars, I was just a role player. But in high school, you would always have someone at the end of the bench that's kind of like a practice squad guy that was kind of just like a goofy kid and like everybody right. loves him. Like he girls, practiced it's really hard. He did. He, he really did. Or she, right? Whatever it is. But And that, that's what Smiley felt like. Whenever that person, great person, did something, shoot a three, everyone would be like, oh, my God. Right? Because if he makes it, the team's already up 20 usually or down 20. But <laughs> when he makes it, <laughs> Or when he makes it, then it's like, everyone goes crazy. That's what Smiley was. Like, that's what he was, and when Lacob did that, I thought it was hilarious, because that's the owner of a, of a basketball team that's doing that. And and it was in the middle of an interview, and Fitz is peppering him with the softballs. Fitz, best interviewer on the face. Like, man, he probably got a raise, because he's just so good at what he does. You know, just, just lobbing these little softballs to Lacob so he can hit a home run after home run, and then and then in the middle of the interview, you just see Joe Lakeup jump up and clap because he was so excited that Smiley took a shot. Yeah, that's a, that's a personal favorite moment too. You think? Uh, do you think Lakeup did it in jest or in, like he was actually serious? I think he was serious. I, I think too. they really, I, too. I think they really wanted him to work out because of uh, you know the, the noise, so to say. So right. I think I think it was more about that. One of my other favorite Smiley stories is from friend of the show and uh, internet provocateur, Ethan Strauss. Uh, He's still learning new terms. He's still learning, I gotta pull this quote back up. He's still learning new terms. The Lumber, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, relentlessly trash talking him saying, don't play with us, you're probably a virgin. Smiley, whose English was, you know, not that great. And you know, you can't ever get mad at someone for that. Didn't know what that meant. Not you and I, certainly. (laughs) Uh, And and then on top of that, and this is actually one of my favorite moments, you take that quote, and then now you go to 2020, 2021, and you see Alan smiley just Instagram, and you're like, you know what? I think Smiley might have won that round, Sam. Smiley (laughs) might have won that round. Good for (laughs) Smiley. Good for Smiley. He is a winner through it all, despite, uh, despite... Having to uh, endure Boogie's trash talking and uh, and uh, that's the thing, right? I felt like fans never made fun of Smiley. It was always very yeah. much a let's make fun of uh, why this thing happened in the first place. But uh, good for Smiley. He got his money. How much did he end up making as an NBA player? Like uh, Probably 2.5, 3 million. it's nice. Him. Good for him. He goes back to Eastern Europe, right? If he gets a just, contract out there to play basketball. Woo. Just every other dude who moves to the Bay Area gets involved with the startup and cashes out, right? <laughs> little, little little acquisition exit, little IPO exit. Good for Smiley. Good for Smiley. Do we have another memory? We, we have, have one more memory, talk? then we're going to get to the rest of the show. Um, uh, this quote from the Santa Cruz coaches will always stand out to me. They told him he can't just dunk on everyone. He has to pass it sometimes. Referring to how Smiley, anytime he touched the ball, was so excited that he just tried to immediately dunk it on everyone stuff. He's probably been able to do in small gyms all over the place, but you know, and the NBA a little harder, a little harder. Alan Smilagic, We, uh, you know, we love you here on the lightness podcast. That's all <laughs> we I'm going to lo- say. <laughs> we love you. We will never forget you. He gave us, uh, too, too many, too many moments and, uh, way too much content that we ever deserve. So hopefully he takes his money and he enjoys, uh, You know, he does what Andres Biedrens does. Maybe we'll never hear from him again, and uh, he will live in a palace uh, somewhere in in, in Serbia for the rest of his life. So good for him. Or Siberia, wherever. Wherever. So let's move on to the rest of the show. Oh, smiley. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting down to business. Free agency starts tomorrow. Actually, today, as you're listening to this on Monday, free agency starts 3 p.m. Pacific time, Monday. The contracts are official Friday. And on the eve of free agency, mm. friend of the show, Anthony Slater, got an exclusive interview with, with Joe Lacob talking Ooh, about the, the draft, show. talking about the draft, talking about free agency, talking all things. Um, everyone who's listening to this show probably read the interview. Mm. So before we get into the quotes, I want to I talk with you. What, what are your, like, prevailing thoughts re- when you heard that, those comments? My prevailing thought is that Joe Lacob, another guy that loves reading dimensions, he loves, I bet you he's on Reddit, Warriors. I bet you he's in the athletic comment section. He's certainly on Twitter um, because it did feel a little defensive, Sam, the way he answered some of the questions that Slater gave to him. Um, and we'll go over the quotes here. Um, but it, he felt a little defensive. It seemed like he knew what everybody was saying about him, about quote-unquote wasting Steph's prime. And I think a lot of what he said was very much, I'm the owner. I can do what I want. Here's my plan. You don't know, man. Vince McMahon, Joe (laughs) Jacob, going out there just saying, "I'm the boss. I know what's up. I made billions. You talk on the internet. You don't know what you're talking about." That was kind of the general vibe. And to be fair, that's always been Joe Jacob's vibe. And also, to be fair, I don't know a lot of owners who don't have that vibe in general. When you own a pro sports team, he's just a little more blunt about it than others. Yes. And, and, you know, to be fair to him also, he feels like, I mean, his ever since he's become the owner of the Warriors, he's been successful. Whether that be for Steph, which I think it's all mostly Steph, right? But his franchise has been successful. He has a brand new arena and three championships, right? So I think that's where it comes from. I think whether you think he's right or wrong, that's how he feels. He says, I brought three championships here. I get to say what I want. I get to build this forward what I want, <clears throat> however I want. And uh, now we're gonna get in the quotes because some of them are uh, whew, spicy. All right, so we're gonna start with this one shooting down the idea that they're gonna make a big trade. Everyone's heard the rumors all year that, you know, you're gonna trade for Bradley Beale, gonna trade for Pascal Siak, I'm gonna trade for Ben Simmons, gonna trade for, I don't know, everyone and everyone. He goes, honestly, this is sort of my dream. And I know this isn't popular with a lot of people. They think we ought to go out and get the next star. We already have stars. And we have a payroll that's, and I've said this, and I was interviewed before, but nobody listened. It's very very unlikely. I've said that we're going to trade for anybody that people are expecting. Very unlikely. It's not impossible. But if it's going to be somebody, it's going to be somebody really great. It's going to be a really big trade. It's just unlikely. The way that you read, <laughs> you, you're getting your, I, you're getting I'm not going to lie to you. I practice. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was perfect. And, and we know the way Joe speaks. Um, this to me reads, and I know um, NBC sports our our friends over there. Uh, Kendra Andrews said that, Hey, the Warriors will only make one trade for one person. Right. And I think this kind of speaks right to it. Um, if they're going to make a trade, they don't want to make a trade for some, you know, some veteran um, at least not right now. I, I in my opinion, if they're going to trade, make a huge huge trade, Wiseman. Uh, Wiggins contract, etc. Sam, like it's for Bradley Beal. That's what this tells me. There's going to be no minor, minor trade being done this off season, because if they're going to make a trade, it's going to be splashy. That's what Joe likes. Um, And it's only going to be for Bradley Beal. Wiseman is not moving. Like, right. A oh, Warriors fans. You can kind of just stop. He's not moving. Kuminga, right? Unless it's for Beal. Oh, yes. Kuminga not moving. No, neither of those players are being involved in anything less than a superstar. I right. think. Right. So, Um, I read it a little differently than you. Mm. I thought this was some salesmanship going on. I think the warriors more than anything are dealing with an NBA, which thinks they're desperate. Like everyone, every other GM is like, you know, you can say what you want. We know who Steph Curry is. We know what he did last year. You can't possibly be like, not trying to get better in in the future. Right. So I think, On some level, I do think Joe Lacob is quote unquote playing the part Mm. to try to make it seem like he's not, um, they're not desperate to make a trade. That's why I said the Vince McMahon thing. On some level, it feels like Vince McMahon, when he did like the caricature, like, you know, dickhead boss thing with the WWE for all the years. In some ways, it feels like Joe Lacob is doing that. You know, I do like. There are some concerning quotes, but I do think a lot of his salesmanship stuff is mostly about like, I don't want the rest of the league to think we're desperate and I want the fan base to get behind what we have. So I can't ever really get too mad about that. And just to be honest with it, like, (laughs) I'm just a fan of his style. Like, I think he's, I think it's funny the way he says stuff. So like, you know, I, I see it. So That's my first thought there. Yeah. You got anything else on this quote? I I think, I think you're right. I think there's a part of um, like the last quote, the last piece that he did with Tim Kawakami, it was kind of the same thing. Flabbergasted. Um, Yeah. It was kind of of the same thing that he was going with. And, and if you're, if you're the face of a franchise, which from an ownership perspective, of course he is. um, You're not going to come out here and say, yeah, we're looking at trades from every aspect. So we're looking to trade, you know, this, this and that for this, you know, you're not going to come out here and say that. So, Yes, I also think there's a kernel in truth in what he's saying. That's, I, think that, I think that's the other piece. I think right, he can right. help himself from speaking the truth. I, I truly, truly think that he thinks James Wiseman is going to be Chris Bosh and he's not going anywhere. So not to say that I would trade Wiseman, but I think he's only looking at it from a Beal or Bust perspective. I don't know if that's the move, but we can or, move or, on. Or, or We're obviously move Giannis. Giannis, but <laughs> Giannis is probably is correct. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's staying in Milwaukee. I do right. agree, but that has more to do with the way they value players. Mm-hmm. I think the quote was mm-hmm. more about trying to sell people. Um, anyway, let's move to the next quote. So this was this was the quote I may have had a uh, a problem with. If we can't, and this was in context of competing next year, if we can't, then you should look at Joe Lacob and Bob Myers and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins and say you weren't good enough. Lacob said. You're paying all that money. You weren't good enough. They need to be good enough, and they should be. They've won before. They're a little or older, but they're still really good. Clay will be back. That's the key. I think we'll be good enough. Yes, I think this is. You know, if you're a fan of Joe Lakeb, which I think, when he first came on the team, outside of the the booing at Oracle for the Bogut stuff, once we really we've been, got to know him, yeah, we've been we've been fans of Lakeb. Uh, we've been fans. And part of why we've been fans is his kind of constant, his expectation that you're going to be as great as possible. And I think this is part of that. It's his expectation that you are going to be amazing, right? Whether you are, you aren't. I think that's taxing on certain guys like Bob Myers, right? But that's expectation. I think that's cool. Like, I think that brings the best out of people. And I think that's what he's trying to do in this situation. The problem is you don't think Steph, Draymond and, and Clay Thompson don't want to be the best at what they do. Like, You think that those guys need that this type of motivation? Like, I I don't think that works here. That's the gripe I have with this. I like why he said it. I think if he said it about Andrew Wiggins, that's fair because I think Andrew Wiggins is a guy that probably needs motivation.
0: But the other three guys, Sam, like this guy, they're trying their best. Like, they're the best three. They're the best
1: trio you got in the NBA. So that's my gripe with, with that particular quote. I would agree with you there. And I'm looking at it through particularly the lens of Draymond Green and Stephen Curry. Um, I like this specific tweet from friend of the show, Todd Haberstrow. He goes, Stephen Curry won the scoring title, also finished third in MVP, by the way. Uh, Draymond was third in defensive player of the year. Still, the Warriors missed the playoffs. Now read this quote. His point was, all right, those two players are still amazing. Now, Draymond, we definitely have gripes with of some of his offensive issues. But end of the day, he's a walking top five defense. Mm. Stephen Curry is a walking top five offense and they they're still highly productive. I feel like if you were to ask them, they would say the signings didn't go well. Clay got hurt. We just, we didn't have anything around us. That's why it went this way. And I think that's where it rubs them the wrong way, particularly since they had an eight man rotation for the final 20 games of the season. That's where I'm like, the quote gives me pause. Now I know the angle in which Lakob's coming at it. He's trying to hype people up. He's like, you right. said, he's doing the whole like venture, like, let's get everyone going. Let's get everyone motivated. Let's move. And in like, you know, eight out of 10 scenarios, it works, right? Like it does bring the energy. It does what you want. But I just, I, I, it felt like he was, you know, I just don't know if it'll be well-received by those core guys. Now let's see what they do in free agency, but like, I just don't know how it can be well-received. We're going to get to that that segue there, but I I think that's true. Like you can say that if this team is kind of a first round team and you've got players, honestly, if Ben Simmons, if Joe Lacob was the owner of the Sixers, he could say this and I would be like, hell yes, you are a hundred percent correct. Why is Ben Simmons acting like he's a superstar when he's right. petrified? Petrified of to play moment. basketball and crunch yeah. Yeah, of the moment. Right. He's just absolutely scared. Why are you acting like a superstar? Right? Amazing. I think Joe Lake would be completely correct. But in this case, like you just said, like, like w- This doesn't motivate anyone. Steph is playing as great as he's ever been. Draymond is as great as he's ever been defensively. So, like, do you expect Draymond to shoot 35% from three then? Do you, like, we all expect that too. Like, you're not wrong there, but we don't see that happening again. Then Klay Thompson, that's the other part of this, right? But more more importantly, Sam, I think this quote here, why is Wiggins in this quote? Oh, see, why I I can answer that one. (laughs) (laughs) Why? He's not, one of them is not the other three. So the Wiggins insertion reminds me of how Harrison Barnes, remember when they got Iguodala and he's like, we have six starters because he didn't want Harrison Barnes to not feel included. He wanted to make sure everyone like understood how good the players were. I think this quote was mainly for Andrew Wiggins, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think it was to try to get Wiggins going. Like Draymond's not going to like this quote. Draymond might even subtweet him and like post something on Instagram. Shout out. I play for a basketball team. Mm -hmm. Draymond's hilarious. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't think Steph received this well. I think Steph rolled his eyes and he was a little annoyed by it. Right. Right. Right, um, right. But someone like Wiggins, this might be what he needs. He might need this little thing. Cause like, I thought Wiggins had a generally positive season last year, but not good enough for what you were hoping to get out of someone making that kind of money. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there, there's a, uh, you've been on a, a Andrew Wiggins um, kind of, I think truther. I think your response to Andrew Wiggins is Andrew Wiggins is definitely being built up as someone that's indispensable to the basketball team right now. And I think that's, that's where we're having a little bit of a disagreement. It reminds me so much of Harrison Barnes. He's not indispensable. He's not, he's very good basketball player where it's like, I like this player. He does specific things to help you win. But like in the context of you got to have hard decisions about players and like Wiggins is good, but he's not like indispensable by any, no, no. So. Anyway, I I do think the quotes were uh, trying to get Wiggins going. I also think just uh, one last point. I think the quotes go back to the, the the same point. I'm not convinced Joe Lacob isn't doing this on purpose to try to um, play people a little bit. Just like he's like, hey, if they need me to be the crazy owner, I'll be the crazy owner. I would be fascinated to see what Steph's response to this is and Draymond's response. You brought this up earlier. Like, I don't. Steph's probably used to this, right? I think he's her and and Steph is probably the person. If there's one person in the NBA that's gonna be like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. He's gonna pay me my max anyway. It's probably Steph. But Draymond, I don't know. Clay, I don't know. So we'll we'll see. I'd be curious what their response is. What do you think? I you think, think those guys are pissed about this. I would go eye roll more yeah. than like anger. Yeah. I think there's i this is why I would say Bob Myers is underrated. Joe is obviously a very type A person, right? But who do you think is the person who's communicating with the team to make sure that they understand, like, he's not a crazy person? You know, yeah, yeah, Yeah. right. I mean, Bob gets paid a lot to do that, right? Yeah, he's the best at it. His job is to to manage the players more than anything, and uh, (laughs) he does a good job at it because. You know, you, you see people who's like, oh how does Steph deal with that? And it's like, well, Steph doesn't seem upset. He doesn't seem upset because he probably understands the bigger picture. Yeah. So yeah. um, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Now I want to get to this other quote. This is in a different direction. Um Jonathan it's about Jonathan Kuminga, mm-hmm. who I'm all in on at this point. The, i'm the love affair is deep right now. Wow. Um, wow. Bottom line, I Joe Lacombe said this. Bottom line, I like how he has a natural instinct to play with force, Lacob said. That sounds like a simple thing, but it's not that common. Bob and I felt for several years that we needed physicality, athleticism and physicality. That's really what excites me with him. We're starting to transform our team with James Wiseman and now him. We're bigger and more athletic. Both those guys and Moody have a seven-foot wingspans. We love wingspan, as you know. Yeah. Um, This quote tells me that um, Joe Lacob is in the room, and he's scouting, and he's making a decision on players. Um, I am not as in love with Kaminga as you are. I'm in love with Moses Moody. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is I don't need the basketball owner making decisions. I just I don't. Basketball decisions. Money decisions, of course. He's the owner. Basketball decisions. I don't need it. Joe Lacob knows as much basketball in terms of scouting as you and I, none of us have. We never played in the league. He, We've never coached would, in the league. He would disagree because he had a feeling Josh Giddy was going six. <laughs> right. I, I, you didn't put that in there, but I wish he did. But like, <laughs> that, that's just the truth. Like the same with Kirk Lacob. We all have the same basketball knowledge in terms of like scouting players. We've never played. We never will play. We've never coached. And if not we at co- the NBA level, not at the NBA level. Right. Like, we've never, like, they talk to basketball players. Great. Doesn't make you better at looking at basketball. Like, that stuff doesn't matter in terms of scouting players. So, uh, this wingspan stuff, awesome, cool. Athleticism, physicality, that means nothing to me. Like, that tells me he's in the room. I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I just, I don't know. But that's what this quote tells me. So that's an interesting angle. I had a different way I wanted to take it, but I'm mm-hmm. gonna stick with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That is my number one concern. Like I, I was thinking about this. Do you remember when Lake bought the team and they tried really hard to downplay how involved he was? Yeah. Yeah. In mean, basketball ops, they don't even hide it anymore. It's like it's it's a given that he is operating his own big board and he has aggressive hoops stakes. And to be like, we all have aggressive hoop We stakes, all have, like, I mean, people like us. But yes, I mean, he is in basketball operations just as much as you and me. And they're not giving anyone any reason to think he's not at this point. And I mean, that gives me pause because it obviously it makes me think of like Al Davis, Jerry Jones, like those type of owners who are very involved in every decision. And some of it's positive and some of it's negative. But it's not always, it's not necessarily what the fans want on a, on a consistent basis. He kind of want basketball people making basketball decisions. And it's been interesting to watch when he bought the team. There was a lot of, we have Jerry West, we have Travis Slank, we have Bob Myers and I'm just in the room, you know, I'm just trying to help them. I'm not, you know, I'm not the one who's making basketball decisions to now he's giving very strong basketball quotes and treating Bob as his right-hand man in these quotes a little bit. Right. Correct. Correct. I think you hit it right on the head. What was your separate take? What was your separate reaction to this? Oh, it's going to actually be on the basketball part of it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I I also like, I want to say that he could be right. Kaminga could be awesome. Moses Moody could be awesome. Like he could be right, but the results don't mean the process is correct. And end of the day, if you're going to run 20,000 results, if you have the right process, most of the time you'll get the right results. Um, and, And I just, I don't know if we're, if we're there yet, because I guess they have basketball people too. Still, Sam, they do. They do. It's not like they don't. But um, but it does seem like what you're saying is right. It seems like Joe Lacob is is now. Hey, I've got three titles. I am the owner of this basketball team. I I privately funded this. Chase Center Arena in San Francisco, notoriously the hardest place to build stuff. Right, right. damn. Uh, I get to do whatever I want now, so you know, bit of a problem, but we'll see. You know, I am a fan of Moody. That's, and you are a fan of Kaminga, so it's not like those two guys. It's not I like, like they I like Moody. Smiley. I like Moody too, yeah. but it's not uh, like they drafted Smiley, right? Like, everybody knew it was going to be terrible. It's not that Cor- correct. So the, the the other part that I want to talk about is like objectively they're correct. The one thing I feel like this team is well this team is lacking a lot of things just to be clear but like one of the biggest things is they don't have anyone who plays with force Andrew Wiggins in theory should be the guy who does but I think he's he I think he might be the softest like he he I, I don't think he likes physical contact I'm just gonna be honest Steph plays with a level of force but I'd honestly prefer Steph not throw his body inside as much as he does you know Uh, Clay is just a different type of player when he gets on the court. Like he's a shooter. He's not, Clay's not a downhill player, right? Clay's not a guy who's getting to the rim. That's not his game. And Draymond used to play with force a little bit. Used to. Um, Yeah. But like, also, he's not that player. Um, obviously, you want Wiggins to be the one who does it, but that's just not who he is. Like the fact that Wiggins has turned himself into a high end defender and a reasonable shooter is like a victory in itself, right? But like, he's not a, he's just not the guy who's going to get you like, six free throw attempts a game, which is something they need. They need someone who like gets to the cup, gets themselves to the line six, seven times a game. Now is Kuminga going to do that next year? No. You know, like that's not going to happen, but like, that is something that they need. That's always been kind of a little bit of an Achilles heel for this team. They've tried to IQ their way to the rim and it's worked pretty well, but like they've always kind of needed someone who could quote unquote, play with force and get it to the rim.
0: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, a member FDSE.
1: I'm with you. Let's get to free agency. Here comes the fun stuff. Free agency. By the time you're listening to this, the tweets will be going nonstop. Woj, Chams, Mark Stein, Chris Haynes, uh, fans with sources will be tweeting out things just nonstop about where everyone is going at all times. So, you know it's fun, but like as we're recording this Sunday night, we have a little news. It's nothing we didn't think. So I just want to talk about it a little bit. Okay, um, what's your confidence level with the Warriors in free agency? Uh, I think I think more than last season. I think I'm relatively confident that they're going to get some good vet players. Um, Lakeup also had a quote um, in that in in that article with Slater where he said, "Hey, like free agency is coming up. You're going to see some names that you're going to get." Now again, he could be playing it up, but and he's an excitable Speaking guy. Speaking into existence, baby. I, yeah, I, I am relatively confident that they'll get some guys. Like I, I'm I'm thinking of names like Iguodala or Rudy Gay. Like maybe not both, but one or the two. Like I think those guys are guys that the Warriors are going to end up with. And maybe they're not amazing, not the most exciting Sam, but got, those guys for veterans, I would be okay with. I would be content with. So names we're hearing to right start now, off, we've already heard Iguodala is going to meet with the Warriors. I can't yeah. imagine the Warriors would give him the 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 taxpayer mid level. Andre, at this point in his career, is definitely, like, more locker room than court, you know? I think he could still help you a little bit on the court, but, like, he's not the Iguodala that he was three years ago. 37. He'll be 38 by the playoffs. So, So. um, there's just realities to him. But, like, you know who Andre Iguodala could really help? Jonathan Kuminga. Mm -hmm. Moses Moody. Mm -hmm. Is there a better, like, vet wing to kind of, like, keep them in check and kind of teach them subtle nuances? Probably not. I also think Iguodala is one of those guys who, like, yes, he's not going to give you an every game impact, but he has a penchant to turn up and do positive things in big moments, yep. even at a later stage in his career. Yep. So I wouldn't mind that. The easy other, That's the, the other, name. the other name that has come out immediately is Nicholas Batum. Of course, Nicholas Batum. By the way, Slater also noted what we'd all heard, which was. Nick Batum was seriously considering joining the Warriors until Clay's injury. The way um, the way he said it is why I think it's a real thing, by the way. He is aware that the Warriors' style fits his, the way he plays. Nick Batum is very Iguodol-ish, where you're like, if you want him to be the man, you're going to be disappointed. But if you want him to be that glue piece, he's one of the best in the league, right? And he knows the Warriors' ball movement, read and react style fits his skill set much more than playing, let's just say next to LeBron and Russell Westbrook where he's a spot-up guy. Like he's not, he's better than being a spot-up guy. And I'm wondering if they can really get Batum because he's going to have a lot of suitors. If I'm a good team, Batum is like the perfect role player for a good team. I saw that the other names for Batum were guys with regular mid-level exceptions, which is about... 10, nine, $10 million. Correct. Um, and I think one of them was Indiana. Right. And, uh, I, I just think that I'm with you on the Lakers. So you pretty much took what I was going to say about the Lakers out of it, where it was just like, yes, I think that the Lakers are going to want Batum, but I don't think Batum is going to say, this is a team I need to go to right now. Um, because he still has enough juice to play real basketball. I think when you talk about someone like Iguadala, he doesn't care about playing basketball at this point, at least not like I don't need 25 minutes a game. I don't need to ball in my hands. Right. I think with Batum, there's still some of that left. I do think there's a decent chance that Nick Batum ends up choosing the Warriors. And I think part of that is because of Slater's report where he was saying he was realistic until Clay Thompson got hurt. And now if you think of this basketball team, they need him probably the most out of any contender. Right, like in terms yeah. of just—I mean, the word, yeah, but, but yes, they they need him because they need him to be a legitimate player for them. Legitimate player, and also here's the other thing: Steve Kerr's system, perfect for Nick Batum. Perfect. Oh, it's not even—it's not even a question. Oh, I want to run through the numbers by far. Let's by talk about. Far. By the way, fun Batum fact: he led the Clippers in minutes last year. I would have never guessed that in the regular postseason. Regular season, regular somehow. Wow. It just because everyone rested so much, somehow Batum had the most total minutes. Um, which I, it's irrelevant, but like, just let you know, he's not actually like washed or like physically. He can still play twenty five minutes a night. He played twenty seven for them. Okay, um, in twenty seven minutes a game, he averaged like eight points, five rebounds, two and a half assists, forty percent from 58 percent from two. 80 plus percent from the line. Those numbers don't really do it justice. Um, Andy likes to always, but you always like to put it this way. is like, he knows how to play basketball as like a shorthand way of basically saying like, he's a quote unquote five tool guy, right? Like he's yeah. like the, he's a really good passer. He understands how to space when he doesn't have the ball he can do just a little bit of everything. Like he's, it's very Iguodol-ish, better shooter than Iguodol. Yes. I think that's, that's the stuff like with, I think he looks at this system, this franchise, and he goes, not only can I win a championship, I get to play basketball the way I want to play basketball. You know, the reason why Kelly Oubre is not going to be on the Warriors this season is because he doesn't get to play basketball the way he wants to play basketball. And, we argued and talked about maybe the Warriors should have put him in a better position and maybe switch the system a little bit. By the way, well, shout out Bob Myers for saying, I thought he played really well for us when he was at the four. Incredible, incredible <laughs> quote. Oh my God. Wow. We well, are just like off memory. You just pumping these out. Yes. That was, that, that was a little bit of shot at Steve. Um, but that's one guy where you're worried when Ube is coming to the Warriors because you're like great talent, cool guy works hard, but just doesn't fit. Nicholas Matum. I mean, he's just, he's perfect. What? Steph, Steph and Clay are going to love playing with him. Oh. Draymond's going to love playing with him because they don't have, because it'll take them five to 10 games to like figure the chemistry out. And then it's like, that's a guy who will know where Steph, it will make the extra pass to Steph every time. Right. That's the thing. I, I do think he ends up, Sam, I do think he ends up with the Warriors. I just, you know, no, no source or anything. I just think that if you're Batum, and you know who you are as a player, and you know what team you could go to, and the fact that he was close last season, I, I think that's... I, I think that's a good... It, not only is it a good fit, I think it's... It's. I think it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, the, the question is if Brooklyn offers him the same deal, because he could potentially be like, I could do all that same passing stuff, but with KD and Kyrie and those guys, too. Um, and... Culture! There's no culture! You know, there's, no you know, you know, ob- there's always... There's always the off chance someone offers him 15 million. Right. And, you know, right. he can really love the way the Warriors Passes play, the but, you know, but week. like, but like he also likes making three times as much money. So, yeah, yeah. I um, think 10, 10 million versus six million, he can say, okay, I'll take close. Six. Yeah, yeah. six to 15. Shit, give me 15, right? Like, right. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you can't. I mean, yeah. so I, but I do agree with you. I actually think I'm starting to feel like the Warriors have a better chance at signing him. Uh, Than I might have thought a week ago. Yeah. And you know, if they get him, that means everything else they have to do is a trade or a f- veteran minimum. But I think he's legitimately worth it to the Warriors because now you can anchor him with the second unit with oh, Jordan kind of Poole. Uh-huh. And as long as the other three guys on the floor aren't hopeless, you probably have something that works against most teams. Um, yeah. And I mean, Steve, Kerr, we can lament Steve Kerr's system all we want, but as long as he's the coach, as long as Steph Curry's on the roster, they're going to want forwards who know how to make the extra pass and be a point forward. And he's as good a point forward as you're going to find in the league that's available in the Warriors' price range. So, you know, if you can get him, I think it's a lot easier to find a, another Damian Lee, another guy like that, than it is to find a Batum. Correct. the The guys that work really well in Steve's system are very far and few between. It's re, it's really it's really what it is. And in the end of the day, they don't even have that much upside. But Nate Batum, that is, that is, he's perfect. So, um, other names because I think that was a Batum segment there. But Rudy Gay, how do you feel about Rudy Gay? Is he a mid level exception guy? It doesn't seem that way, not from the reports. And is he a Warriors guy? Definitely seems that way. Definitely seems like the Warriors want him. But he's also a perfect fit, I think, if you're looking at. Like the Lakers, like he's a perfect guy where he doesn't have to play a certain system, right? He can just kind of play the small ball four-ish and defend a little bit and shoot threes. Like that's kind of his role. And then not play when it's crunch time. Just be a scorer who catches the ball off the bounce. There have been rumors he's going to the Lakers, but there's also rumors they're getting mellow. I'm like, what do you need Rudy Gay and mellow for? The Lakers are going to get
2: everyone. They play the same role.
1: Oh, that is true. Shout out to the Lakers for signing 107 dudes this offseason. I'm impressed by you. I didn't think it was possible, but somehow you got everyone steps on the roster too. Um, It's like, I don't even know who you're playing. Is there anyone who's not on the Lakers this year? And how can you still not make a three despite having 119 (laughs) guys on the roster? Like, how is that even freaking possible? So uh, I I think Rudy Gay is a good target, I I think, but more vet men, right? Like him and Igodala seem to be vet men guys from a mid-level exception perspective. I feel like it's just Nick Batum. I would working. give Rudy Gay the mid-level exception, but that's only if Batum signs somewhere else. Off the table, right? Like that's the only guy. Because it's worth it. Him- it's here's. I watched enough Spurs last year. Shout out my guy, Keldon Johnson, number one, Keldon You'll Johnson. You Really score. like him. You really like him. I don't. I do really like him, and honestly, I I don't think it reflects well upon me. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Rudy Rudy Gay was. Uh, I mean, Rudy Gay had a pretty decent year. Like, he didn't play defense for them, really. He's definitely like I'm. I wonder if he's lost a step too much to be that guy anymore. But like, hit his threes, thirty eight percent. He's always going to have the mid range game. Like, he's he's always going to be one of the best players from fifteen feet. Um, be better passer than in the past. Like. I don't know. He he's plays really, this game. He's reshaped. He, he plays really well as the second unit small ball four, who's kind of the leading scorer of your second unit. Like he's really good at that these days. There's value in that. Um, he wouldn't be my first choice for middle of exception, but like if you get about vet minimum, I love it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get. I mean, Batum and Gay. I mean, Batum and Gay. Right? Like Batum's closing games. Gay's not like sometimes maybe gay will but yeah yeah, gay is matchup based batum is every matchup (laughs) yeah yeah, it's it's perfect like the problem is i mean batum and wiggins is still a little small but end of day like you can close with that five most most games so raymond batum and wiggins i mean it's decent size wise because batum is a legit six eight six nine with a seven two wings like he's Batum's bigger than you think. Maybe I'm huh. being too uh too Lakey right now. Maybe you know the size. Maybe I'm, I'm trying to force feed Wiseman there a little bit, but they'll end up with a Vet Center, I'm sure. You got another name up there. Do I have another name? We already, Auto talked, about, we already talked about my guy Auto Porter on the last <laughs> episode. You do love him. You spent like you just blindsided me with Auto Porter and just started. I really did about catch him. you off guard on Auto Porter. you <laughs> i I've never seen you so shocked <laughs> <laughs> because I like Auto Porter you know, four years ago. And then it's just crazy hearing his name resurface 7am post draft show. And he just like wants a coffee. And I'm like, let's talk auto Porter. Yeah, that was, that was very impressive. Mid-level guy or vet guy. I think a lot of these questions are the same. Mid-level guy or vet guy. I think he's closer to mid-level because he's only 28. He's only 20. Okay. So on the negative side, you are correct. His injuries are a little scary, right? They just are. Um, He hasn't played a lot of games the last year and a half. That back thing. I mean, back injuries are no joke, right? Um, on the other hand, six 40% percent three point shooter can pass mm-hmm. the ball. Mm-hmm. Doesn't grow on trees. Now he could defend. I mean, when he was good, he could defend. Really. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably as good as Batum defensively. Like they're they're not they're not clamping guys up, but they're absolutely not liability. Like Wiggins, like Wiggins. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good, good multi positional defender. Um, I think he's probably the best shooter on the list I've ever really talked about. Like he just, if he's open, his feeder said it's in yeah. just is Right. Yeah. And he's a pretty good passer. Like he definitely, he's not as good a passer as Batum, but he's a guy who has awareness. Like he's the guy who will make the extra pass to clay if clay's open. Right. Like he'd, he'll, he'll, he'll make those recognition reads that like, let's, let's say Oubre might not make. <laughs> He is a guy, I thought about this after you you kind of shocked me last week. He is a guy to me that feels like it's a reclamation project, and you're hoping exactly. that he's good. Like I don't. Well, actually, if there's no other, no other option, give give that to me, right? If there's you're no other, they, option, give you're it hoping there. that he's physically healthy and engaged. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's no other guy, you're telling me, you know what? You can probably, if it's Gay or Otto Porter for the mid level, you can probably convince me I'd rather have Otto Porter just because there's more upside there. But if you want the vet, that that becomes the question. Because if you're Steph Curry, maybe you'd rather have Rudy Gay because you're like, I know what Rudy Gay's good at. I know he can play with me on the floor. Auto Porter, you're I like... Know, I know he's he might not going to show done. up 20 pounds overweight. Yeah. Exactly. You're like, Auto Porter, he might be... Like, Draymond might like, get his ass out of here in training camp. And that's $6 million. Down. Like, that's that's your only bullet left. Like, do you use that on a guy like Auto Porter versus someone like Rudy Gay? That's tough. That becomes difficult to to do. I, I think you can do that when you've got... what If Clay was healthy, I think you go Auto Porter just because you, you can live with a little bit more upside and a and little bit more downside. But... right. Because of Clay uncertainty, maybe you go more with Rudy Gay. I think that's a great question. If it becomes Otto Porter or Rudy Gay for the mid level, I think that's a great question. I don't know what the Warriors do. Yeah. It's, and I haven't seen Rudy Gay's name come up. Sorry. I haven't seen Otto Porter's name come up too yeah. aggressively in free agency stuff. And part of that's like, you know Rudy Gay, Andre Iguodala's agents are trying to get their names out there immediately because they're older. They want people to like not think too aggressively about them and be like, "Yeah, yeah, we need that guy right now," you know? That type of thing. But it's it's going to be interesting to see it play out. I do think the Warriors will end up with one of those three guys. And all three of them would fit the bill for a versatile forward, granted their skill set and the way they produce is different, but I do think there's a very good chance of words. will have one of them on their roster next year. In terms of excitement, I'd rank them, Batum, Porter and gay, uh, but I would be happy with any of them, um, depending on what you, what they're paying them. But it sounds like you're saying, but likely mid-level auto Porter, likely mid-level Rudy gay, likely vet min, but he could get the mid-level. So I think you, maybe you get Rudy gay at the vet min, Sam, and you still use the, you know, the mid-level on someone else. We'll see. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about anything else? or I think we just want to see how the rest of free agency goes. Yep. I think we're going to have so much news. We're going to be doing live shows on Dream Room yeah. this week. We'll have more pods out this week. We appreciate you all. Uh, check out the pods that have been posted, and we'll have more stuff this week.